The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 91. Talk about building an intentional and inclusive community with Jordan Maney. Jordan Maney launched All the Days in September 2016 as a wedding planning company dedicated to serving LGBTQIA and allied couples with exceptional wedding planning and relationship coaching. With an established history of inclusion advocacy, Jordan pivoted toward anti-racism and inclusion coaching for progressive business owners in 2020. She also founded the initiative Brash, a movement to equip local women entrepreneurs with the education and wellness resources to help them handle their business. She currently serves on the Women's Business Center Advisory Board and the Texas Public Radio Generation Listen Council. Jordan also served as the assistant editor for Catalyst, an intersectional feminist wedding magazine. I am thrilled to finally have Jordan on the show. You're going to want to grab a notebook and a pencil for this one, folks, because we've got a lot to cover. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey, friends. We're back. I mean, not the podcast. Obviously, we've never gone away. I'm talking about weddings. At least here in Los Angeles, I can tell you we are all experiencing the whiplash and the crush of client expectations, in-person meetings, and like, well, all the things, big and small, that we do for our businesses every day. One of the best things I ever did for my own business was to outsource as soon as I was able. So now that bookings are back, you might also be feeling the pull to outsource. And so I want to remind you about our good friends at Bench. Bench is not just bookkeeping anymore, but they are now an all-in-one tax and bookkeeping solution at prices that honestly can't be beat. With Bench, you get one-on-one expert support from a real human, you get powerful financial reporting, and stress-free tax filing, as well as historical bookkeeping for clients who might need to get caught up fast. Also, when you work with Bench, you can partner with Lending Club for your business bank account. No monthly fees, no minimum balance, you guys, just total control over your small business finances. And since we're all heading back to work, now's the time to get your payroll in order. And Bench has an awesome partnership with Gusto. I use all of these things in my business every day. And because you are a listener of this show, you can get 30% off your first three months. Just go to reneedallow.com forward slash bench. That's reneedallow.com forward slash bench. Let's get back to work and let's get to outsourcing, baby. Now? On with the show. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, 
every week I'm here, you guys. Every week I show up, and you do too, and I appreciate you for that. This week, guess who showed up? Jordan Maney's here. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing fabulous. I love that. <laughs> how are you, I love, Renee? You know, I guess I want to say I'm fabulous too. Why not? Let's yes. own it. Yes. I'm here. I'm healthy. I'm talking to you. I'm hydrated. I'm ready. I love it. <laughs> So you, you are here with us today to talk about many things, but but also specifically um, building intentional and inclusive communities. Yes. Because it's 2021 and we're still talking about this shit, y'all. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. It's still a work in progress, I guess. So we're going to dive is. in. But first I want to ask you, I just want to, Jordan, tell us about you. Like, n- oh not like gosh. in the elevator pitch way, but like you are a wedding planner. Yes. Fabulously. Last year. 2020 the year mm-hmm. the year that the year that will live in infamy right can we say that we had a come to jesus as an industry as a wedding industry yeah yeah we had two. Oh, we did we really had two because we had the pandemic and it was like whoa and then we had june where after it's it really felt like an onslaught of murders <laughs> brutal yeah. murders of black people yeah where everybody because we were home we were paying more attention than we usually do um and it got to this tipping point where i really feel because people were home they were more willing to listen and then act so yeah this almost around this time last year yeah we had our second come to jesus meeting where we really had to have an industry-wide conversation about inclusion um yeah and what that looks like and what that will look like going forward. It has been a year uh, since since yeah. everything everything went down. So yeah. in that that week, I remember very I remember where I was sitting, I remember what I was doing when I came across your Instagram live. Can yeah. you and, oh and for those of you who don't know what Jordan's talking about, is it still up on your feed? Yes, it is. I don't think I've taken it down. Okay. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I knew you shouldn't, you shouldn't, but can you just walk me through like the moments before you press record? Like what were you, what was happening for you? Oh my gosh. I, um, wow. So there's this, this silent, but understood collective grief that happens within the black community, really any marginalized community when these types of events happen. Um, and it was Brianna, it was Ahmad, it was, it was George, um, and it just felt like, okay, how much more? And so I went through the usual process of just withdrawing, not really wanting to talk to people, not really having the emotional bandwidth to pretend like everything was okay on top of that pandemic. And I was just to a point where I was just over worrying about oh my gosh how is this going to be received because it it felt like I had to get it out and I had a conversation with my biz bestie Allison Davis of Davis Row where I was just like I'm going to do this thing I have no idea what the consequences of this are going to be but I know that I cannot sleep tonight if I don't say this yeah um I didn't have a big following at all I was barely on Instagram um so i didn't i really didn't think it was going to go far i thought you know the people that i know um immediately in the industry locally maybe they'll see 
see it, but there was no intention of it like reaching people. It was really just like, it needs to get out. It needs to be said and it needs to get out because as much as we want to put racism in a box, it impacts literally everything. Anytime people are like, yeah. not everything is about race. And I'm like, actually, actually, <laughs> actually, yeah, it let's is. unpack that a little. Let's um, unpack that. So it's funny because I remember, I remember seeing the Instagram live and sharing it and then going back to your feed to see your follower count because I yeah. was curious. Because every time, anytime anyone I know posts anything uh, that they're passionate about, but especially involving race or politics, I always look to see, does the number go up or does the number go down? Yeah. Your number went way up. Yeah. It was like, I don't know, like 700 something Ooh. beforehand. And then like, it just kept, it passed a thousand and then it passed yeah. 1500 and then it yeah. passed 2000. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so it was very, it was very interesting because like seeing the support was amazing but there was also this very real fear that i had called out big names you did so <laughs> they're they're like <laughs> yes these people are like the rallying it's so great to see that that's wonderful um but i don't know what's going to happen on the other side of this for me professionally if i'm still going to be in this wedding industry if i get no pun intended blacklisted Right. Uh. <laughs> and isn't that a horrible term, right? That, that's, I know. that's normalized, right? Yeah. Whitewashing, blacklisted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I was, I was, um, the moment before I made the video, I, I wrote, of course, I'm always the type of person who has like bulleted points on anything. Um, so I had my notes, I was ready to go. And I was not, it wasn't like a rehearsed thing to be emotional. Right. But it was saying those words out loud in real time and giving my, myself finally the space to say like, this is what I'm feeling versus kind of like quietly mourning. Yeah. Um, that it just, it all came out. And if, if you, if you've seen the video, you know that I definitely cry in it, not even days following it, the hours following that, like people were in the DMS and people were sharing and it was, it was nice yeah. to see that people cared, but there was definitely that fear of what's the consequence what could possibly be the consequence of this yeah well i mean a year later we we see the consequence of it like you called out big brands and they had to they had to yeah. be held accountable and they i mean it isn't perfect now but do you see that there's been um any significant change yeah so i was really i was really encouraged by the conversations that i was able to have with you know, like the CMO, um, Danusha from The Knot Worldwide, um, from the editors at Martha Stewart Living and Weddings about the changes that they made structurally to how they're going to hire, about the changes they made of having someone on their staff who is either the head of, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion for the brand or something akin to that. Um, and then also seeing their plans for how they're going to change their marketing. So yeah. there was, it was definitely encouraging, but those are difficult. Com I mean, I don't want to say I'm a nobody, but like, <laughs> I was not, I wasn't you. I wasn't. Oh, well, I'm, uh, who am I? I mean, I, I would listen, I would be, I would have the nervous stomach ache to have those calls as well. It was, for it, sure. was it was just, it was so very kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm talking to a person and they have incredible influence. Um, in the industry and also at the same time, how do I 
hold those people accountable, right? right. So it, it was really nice to be able to get through those conversations one-on-one. But what really gave me a lot of inspiration was later having that conversation with other people within the industry and the community being able to chime in um, around November at this summit. So that was a, it was hard and it was awkward. And there are some parts that I could really tell, you know, they were trying to process things, but that's the work. That is the work. Do you ever think, and like, I I don't, I don't know how woo woo you are. I'm not very woo woo. I'm a woo adjacent. Yeah, I yeah, me too. I'm like woo ish. Um, (laughs) But do you ever think that like the reason it was you in that moment was just because it was meant to be you? that that brought that work to you know, to the people who needed to hear it you know i don't i don't okay. like uh, uh yes and okay yes and mm-hmm. i don't like saying like oh god it had to be me oh well yeah um, i guess it's easy for someone else to put to say that about you yes yeah yes, yes, i feel that because the conversations were have been happening before that point right we've been talking about plantation weddings we've been talking about working with venues um that have plantation like either style or we're actually plant- like we've been having these types of conversations about where right. um racism intersects and a bunch of other uh, hate and systems of, of oppression intersect weddings in our industry. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I definitely felt like, okay, not that it's got to be me, but here's a moment. It's here right now. And I need to say something. Yeah, um, I think like your yeah. bravery in that moment to press record and just be like, fuck it, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Intersect. It really did intersect with the uh, people's ability to have to have heard it. Mm-hmm coupled with the social movement of like, now we are like, we are all watching you brides. We are all watching you, Martha Stewart. We are all watching you, The Knot, mm-hmm. in a way that maybe we were watching before, but didn't feel empowered enough collectively to say, okay, but now really yeah. we need this to change. So like, I just want you to know that for mm-hmm. me, as a as just a human person in the world, I think that you did a huge, brave, in hindsight, essential thing that day and I, and I just want other people to hear that, like, if you're, if you feel like you have this thing that you cannot keep inside you, mm-hmm. like you must share it because you actually don't know what the ripple effect of that moment could be. Yeah. You really, and the thing that scared me even more than like professional consequences was the type of people I'd be exposing myself to online. Oh, I'm sure. You know, yeah. people are wild, <laughs> you know, oh, people, listen, you know, people yeah. are wild. And so like, it was. I was really nervous about, to preface, I'd had a moment like this before where um, I had a story go viral. I think it was 2016 where I was like, I'm not doing plantation weddings. Um, (laughs) I'm not doing plantation weddings because there was a a local venue here in um, San Antonio that was like all plantation style and someone had interviewed me about it and the story went viral. And the fear, <laughs> well, they don't tell you about when you go viral, the fear um, related to that because you don't know who is looking at your stuff. And I'm like looking at my little WordPress site and seeing like links coming in from clan blogs in Georgia and stuff like that. And so you can spiral. And I had taken that experience and kind of bottled it into don't say anything, 
try and keep it as small as possible. Don't really put yourself out there. Don't really put your values out there. And then this moment happened and it was just kind of like, nah, <laughs> we, we can't do, we can't do that. We can't do yeah. that anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're definitely feeling like, oh, you know, I don't know if I should say anything or no, if, if you feel it and it's there, let it go. Cause you will definitely find people who align to that. Yeah. Well, and that, that brings me to the, like, what the first thing I want to talk to you about is like, how do you find people? If you, if you don't, here's yeah. the thing, it's easy for me because I'm in Los Angeles, right? And yeah. I am super freaking vocal about my opinions and like the only the right people are coming to me because I'm constantly screaming about my own politics and my ethics mm -hmm. and all my shit. Right. But not everyone feels that way, of course. Yeah. And that's everyone's personal comfort level, of course. But in light of this past year that we've lived through, I believe, and I, I think you do as well, obviously, that we have to inventory the community who, who is around us, who, yes. you know, that there's that old thing about, you know, you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time mm -hmm. with. Like, who are you all spending your time with? So how how can we look around our, our wedding community, our vendor community, even our personal community and, and see how this all fits into the new landscape? Okay, so I'm going to gas somebody up for a little bit. Um, Crystal Whitaker of Crystal Lily Creative. Love her. Have this re love her. Did this really great challenge on identifying your core values as a business. And I cannot... <laughs> I cannot say enough how important it is to do that first, because then you can really align your relationships within your community to what those values are. So if yeah. you say like inclusivity, right, is the is the the highest value that I have, or empathy is the highest value that I have as a business. Looking at the relationships, the the past client relationships, vendor relationships, all of that, um, personal relationships as well of your life and looking at those values and being like does this align because it's very it's very easy when you when you put them next to each other to be like oops <laughs> this doesn't yeah um and what's the cost of saying these are my values but being not necessarily within orbit but working with people who don't align to that right because a client a client will absolutely love that you have those values and will like sing your praises till the end of days because of it. But when they see like, oh, but you're working with this vendor over here or this venue that doesn't support the same, it's very easy to lose that trust. So being willing to just say like, hey, are these value aligned uh, relationships um, in my community? And then if you have, if you're in an area, I know a lot of people are in, areas where it's not in LA, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. in Austin, even in San Antonio, it can be a struggle. But if you're looking at that, then it's like, okay, where do I then go get community? Where right. do I go find and build those relationships? And I'm very much the person who believes in having local roots, but having a global reach. So I love that right like you have to you have to have people especially as wedding planners you have to have people that you know in your city um but there's nothing wrong with having and building relationships with people who are in new zealand or australia or the uk or in another state who align to those values that you have that you can turn to when you're like oh gosh i just really need to talk to somebody about such and such right because they might know people who are moving to your area 
vendors who are moving to your area or coming through for um, projects that you can do shoots with, there's an opportunity for collaboration uh, within that. And it invites other people when you speak up and you do say like, this is what we're doing. This is what we stand for. It definitely invites people on a local level who feel the same way and may not have wanted to be the person to put themselves out there and say that. It invites them in um, to do the same. 100% agree. And I'll also yes on that by saying when you have these relationships with vendors that aren't necessarily like hyper local to you, the right client might still want to work with that vendor. Like I remember we did a same sex wedding a couple of years ago and the the bride said, we want to work with Steph Grant, who's a, a photographer. She's an mm-hmm. LGBTQ plus photographer. She lives in Texas and mm-hmm. I think maybe part-time in California, but they were like, we don't care how much it is. Like we will move other things in the budget to get her because yeah. they so align with her values, aligned with their values, aligned with my, like we all aligned. And it was like, it was a no brainer. We didn't even interview a local photographer. There was no other person for them. So it's like having those roots. Yes. In in local, but having the, having the branches, you know, Mm, I love that you have, you have to have both. I think you touched on something a little bit ago that I want to circle back to for a sec, which is, you know, when we align ourselves or when we're true on our values, when we're, when we're clear on them and we communicate them, the right people align. But then also I think the people who, um, who are listening, who, who maybe feel like they're not necessarily clear on their values or they're clear, but they don't share them. A lot of times I hear from people like, yeah, well, Renee, it's easy for you to say, because you know, you're, you don't have to deal with the cost of it, right? The Mm cost, the quote unquote, the cost of it. And so, yeah, I just want to unpack the idea of the cost of it, because for me, if my value, if my value for something is so I'm so passionate about, right. Then Mm -hmm. I don't really mind the cost. I acknowledge that there is a cost. Yes. But I, it's it's easy for me to move through it if I so passionately, strongly believe in something. Yeah. I yeah. think I think there's a difference between perceived cost oh. and then actual cost. So like if you're in a, for example, San Antonio is a, we're, as Rick Perry used to call all the metropolitan areas in Texas, blueberries. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I've never heard that, but that's amazing. (laughs) Little blueberries. It's a blue city, but there's still, it's also a very Catholic city as well. So there's a lot of conservative ideas about gender and sexuality and working with the queer community here. It has been interesting seeing how like people try and keep things on the, on the hush about who they support and how they support. So there can be this, this, this perception of what a cost will be like, oh, maybe people won't want to work with me. And you're kind of, you're using that um, almost as a, as a safety net to not say it, to not be upfront about it. But at the end of the day, the real cost of kind of being ambivalent and having those kind of like those type of statements that sound nice, but don't really mean anything (laughs) is that clients are intelligent or intelligent as hell. They are absolutely some of the smartest people that you will interact (laughs) with because they know the internet they know they know branding they they understand the power of words and intentions and so to be kind of like muddled and oh you know i'm kind of hey you know it's just cute about it i'm open to everyone love is love i'm open to everyone those types of statements where it's not here are my explicit intentions here are my yeah. explicit values. 
they can read through that. So it's so transparent. They can read through that. So you might yeah. be having a fear of like a perception of a cost of like a vendor relationship, but what it's really costing you down the line is clients. Yeah. And like, and your also, soul. yes, <laughs> your peace, right? Your Cause peace. we've had, we've all yes. had those, we've all had those situations where we work with clients who do not, <laughs> they are not aligned with us. <laughs> it's hell for everybody. Um, you're, you're, you're costing yourself that experience um, yeah. and those types of clients. So, so if you take the inventory of your community and you're like, mm, there's some people that got to go. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you look locally and say like, or not just locally, like we talked about, you know, the roots and the branches, but like, how do you authentically, I hate mm -hmm. that word, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Build up your community with a more inclusive outreach. Oh, that's a really great question. I think, one of the things that you kind of have to come to terms with it's kind of it's almost it just runs opposite of <laughs> the polish of the wedding industry yes is being vulnerable yes right so when if you see somebody on online that maybe has a bigger follower count than you or whatever being vulnerable enough to reach out to them being like hey i would really like to build a relationship with you maybe yeah. people don't respond but maybe they do I've had both happen. Yeah, it's really awesome when it does. But being willing to be, if you're going to be clear about your values and inviting people in, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You just have to. Um, and if you know, like, oh gosh, there are people online that I want to reach out to, prime yourself, follow their stuff for a little bit, get an idea, better idea of their personality, where they show up online, and then go for it. Send them yeah. an email if they're available. Send them a DM if they're on Instagram. Like, Or you know what? See if you have any friends in common and yes. see if someone can't make an, an introduction. Here's a little funny anecdote that I'll share with you because you know you know all the people involved. So a few years ago at Alt Summit, I was speaking. I was there with Leah Weinberg mm -hmm. um, and Cindy Spiegel was the keynote. And I yeah. saw her speak and I was like, oh, my God, I love her. Like, I wanted to be her best friend. I was like... <laughs> I was not a stalker, but it was like, it was a near thing. And, um, but I didn't know Cindy at all. And everywhere she went at the conference, she was surrounded by like fangirls. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave her alone. Like, it's fine. Well, the very next year, Leah, who's a good friend of mine, sent me an email and she was like, Hey, I'm doing a party for Cindy Spiegel. Do you want to help me? And I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And she's like, I'm doing a party with Cindy. Do you want to help me? I was like, I will literally do whatever you want. Like, I love it. Whatever you want. So then we, uh, we got, we all got to Palm Springs and we went out for breakfast with Cindy to talk about the event. And I looked across the table at her and I was like, I've wanted to be friends with you for a year. And Cindy mm -hmm. goes, all you had to do was email me. <laughs> like, she, like her response to exactly. me was so just like, duh. And I remember thinking like, but this is Cindy Spiegel. She's a big deal. Now we're like, now we're like friends who text each other, which is bizarre to me too. Like, what is my life? But also like, all I had to do was find the common friend or, mm -hmm. or it turns out in hindsight, I could have just emailed her and been like, hi, I like you. So. Yeah. Yes, it's a completely vulnerable thing. But if 2020 has taught us anything, we've showed up to Zooms in sweatpants with no makeup on. Maybe, <laughs> right? Maybe our industry yeah. can use a little less polish and a little more real. Yes, I, I really think, especially dealing with, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about milestones in people's lives. Of course, you want the polish. You want the amazing etiquette and, and project management, of course. But there is something to that kind of human element, that emotional intelligence, where it's just kind of like, in a world of polish, it's nice to have a little polish remover. It's nice yes. to have those little awkward moments. I think that's kind of the joy of 
the the little bit of joy that I found in this past year is like I love getting on a Zoom and then someone's kid is like mom and the I don't there's something about it that just makes it so fun for me. I know I love it. It's like seeing those very human glimpses of people. Yeah. yeah. So don't 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 fear that this person. Don't put them on a pedestal and think, oh, they're gonna think I'm an absolute dork. They might. That's a risk. But more than likely, they'll be like, why didn't you email me sooner? Right. Right. Oh, yes. I love that. Here's a, here's a question. Yeah. <laughs> and the emotional, la- I understand that as I ask this, there is an emotional labor attached to this question. So like, don't answer it if you don't want to. But <laughs> as a middle-aged white woman, right, if growing relationships with people of color, the work that I should be doing, should is the wrong word, must be doing, yeah. is checking my own bias. Mm-hmm. And how, if someone is unfamiliar with that with that or that terminology. Can you unpack that a little? Yeah. So for me, when it comes to like, hey, I want to engage in these relationships with people who are like Black, Indigenous, people of color. I want to build inclusive relationships with those people, be it clients, vendors, or otherwise. You have to really look at like, okay, I think there's this action bias that happens where it's like, oh my gosh, things are terrible. Things are shit and I want to change that. <laughs> that right. is great, right? But before you you dive in and you just like find, you know, another a black planner or something, you're like, hey, I want to help you. Right. <laughs> right. You know, take a step back, take a beat and build a relationship first. Figure out what their strengths are. Figure out, I always like to do like project matching. So if you know someone's strength, you know, is, is being able to facilitate a a conversation or something, have them on a panel, moderate a panel. But if they literally hate talking, don't just reach out to someone. (laughs) Right. You're, you're a person of color. How about you moderate this? Really just having that consideration for that person as an individual, but then also understanding like you, I said this at the, the Allied Advocate Summit. It's like wasps. And that was a little ironic. Uh, uh, wasps, they respond, they have like a, a chemical response to the perception of harm. They will react the same way that they, they will if it's an actual perceived threat. So when you're like swatting and, and doing all that, you're not trying to kill a wasp, but that wasp is like, load up, everybody, let's go. <laughs> They're trying to get us. Right. You, if you, it's essentially recognizing, oh my gosh, I have a stinger. I could harm yes. somebody with this. So yes. creating like an awareness of like, oh my gosh, I have a stinger. I could harm somebody with this. And also just realizing you don't have to come into the, I've seen this happen a lot. We're just like, okay, well, I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't right. want to look like the asshole. And yeah, you're probably going to say the wrong thing. It's just, that's you, just how it goes. You kind of have to not lose the awareness that you have the ability to say or do something harmful, but be willing to let your intention shine through and be willing to accept accountability on that impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It totally okay, does. Good. Um, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not like going too woo or too far <laughs> in my head. Um, but yeah, just really it's, it's, it's difficult because you're unlearning something while also trying to learn something yes. that requires practice, but that practice could harm people, but you got to practice or you won't get any better. It's a lot. 
Yeah. And I think especially in the wedding industry, we have this real veneer of perfection that we think we have to hold ourselves to. So when, when we are looking to build new relationships, we think they have to be perfect. They're never perfect. It's just our 2020 hindsight on things or our hazy, you know, rose colored glasses memory of, of whatever friendship we currently have that thinks, oh, it's always been great. Meanwhile, like mm-hmm. normal relationships have, they have bumps in the road. Yeah. They have, you know, they have messy beginnings. They have messy middles. You know, that's just the work of, of being a human being. But I, I don't, I never want that, um, that fear mm-hmm. to, to preclude someone from actually going to make a good relationship with someone else as long as it's coming from an authentic place. I remember back um, like last year, we did an episode with Kimberly Rhodes. I think it was like episode 41 or 42. And we were talking about social media and the aftermath of the Black Lives Matter like that week, right? Mm -hmm. And Kimberly was saying that like, she had been tagged in people's posts about like, here, meet my black friend basically for people that she didn't even know. Yes. And she was like, that's not the way to start a relationship. And Mm -hmm. I remember, uh, feeling so many things when she said that. I mean, first I was shocked. And then I was like, oh gosh, like, why do we just keep harming, like doing harm mm-hmm. over and over? But it's it's an interesting thing because I think when people say they don't know what to do, they often default to like the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And like, I just want everyone to think better about it. Like, just think again, like, don't just Give do the easiest thought. thing. Don't just do the easiest thing. And I will say there's, this is an exercise that I think is really important check yourself before you do something right (laughs) yeah are you doing something that is motivated from a place of your ego yeah or are you doing something that is motivated from a place of being like mission or impact driven um there were a lot of (laughs) excuse what i'm about to say it made me laugh but there were a lot of like like think pieces and um and listicles and all that that came out that felt very attention like the titanic hit the iceberg and they're like attention attention calling all black people to the deck like we need to yeah yeah very like that we're just like here's we found three thousand black planners (laughs) (laughs) here here they are like they're all here like you're 200 black forests that you it was yeah no. There was an intention, yeah. right? But then you have to weigh the impact. And so I, I, yeah. I heard a lot of people say similar things of like, I'm getting tagged and stuff, but like these people haven't taken the time to actually get to know me and why I do what I do. Right. And so that approach, while slower and not as easy and messy, right? Because it's building relationships is also the best bet. Like don't try and have the knee-jerk reaction of I have to I have to fix this thing right now but taking the time to see like in my corner of the world in my corner of the industry what can I do what can I change what can I shift yeah versus like I'm gonna take it all on right now and then you do it for one day and then it never gets done right I think the hard part for people is that this work is frustratingly slow yes like the work of being a good human is slow yeah and people want it to be fast because they feel yes. guilty mm-hmm. and they want it to be like, no, but no, 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 not me. I'm a good person. And I, listen, yeah. I've been that, I've done that too. I'm like, not me. I'm a good I white would, person. I would, I would arguably say that's part of the process, right? Yeah. Being, and, and it's interesting seeing people who are like, oh, I'm not like that anymore. And I'm like, you kind of still are. <laughs> You're not, not the clear yet. Don't pat yourself on the back oh, just man. yet. It's part of the process. But yeah, like it it's, it's slow work, but 
instead of even thinking of it as slow work, think of it as in-depth work. Yeah, I like that. I also want to just like tack onto this as the white woman here. Um, sometimes your instinct is wrong, other white women. Ooh, put that on a t-shirt. You know what I mean? Look, it's like, you know, we're so, we are so, even women, I mean, and I talk a lot about feminism on the show and I talk a lot about that in life too. And I know that like male, male to female, males, white males generally think that they know what's going on all the time, no matter what anyone tells them. White women, our thing is, is that, especially those of us in business, tend to think that like our instincts, like we trust our gut and our instincts are correct. Mm -hmm. Well, our instincts are a, a product of our own privilege, right? Our instincts yeah. are white privileged. So your instinct to do good even mm -hmm. is, is tainted by this. So you have yeah. to, you have to, you must take a moment. I, and I'll, you know, full like transparency always here, but like in that, in that week when it was like mute your, you know, mute your feeds, which I hate that black box. We can <laughs> unpack that another day but like i i was calling like posting about my friends of color that you know that i wanted people to like hey do you know liz coopersmith hey and the first time i sat down to write about liz who's liz named my wedding planning business like we were at lunch mm -hmm. one day and i couldn't decide on a name and she came up with moxie bright I like I, i've known liz since day one but the caption i wrote about her jordan oh, centered me the yeah. first version yeah. right i was like i've known liz for a decade liz named my business she's mm -hmm. always supported me and i i wrote it confident as all hell confident look at me look at me talking all about liz and then i read it and thought oh you asshole <laughs> all you did was talk about yourself and i rewrote it mm -hmm. so like your instincts aren't always right that's so important and really goes to what you asked how do you check your bias you have to understand at any given point, at any given day, the things that you subconsciously have absorbed about white supremacy, about um, queer phobia, about all of these systems of oppression are always at play. To pretend that like, but I'm good. I'm not like them over there. Um, to pretend like that is, is really an illusion um and it's important to free yourself from that that urge to be like not seen as out of touch or seen as a bad person like this is just the thing this is just what it is right like yeah being able to understand hmm my instinct is tied up and interlaced with all these other things that i've learned that are harmful to people maybe i take a beat before <laughs> I write this <laughs> caption or let me yeah. do a revision on something. Just being willing to check yourself in that way and be open to being checked by people who care about you and your community. Oh, like, hell right? yes. Yeah. Like that's a big, that's a big deal. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I would definitely suggest people while they're trying to consciously build these communities and these relationships, that thorough line of, okay, but is this centering myself? Am I centering my ego? Am I centering the fear of not wanting to be seen as like the bad guy? Or am I actually centering, you know, this person of color, their joy? Am I centering um, their experience? That type of thing. Learning to just weigh that and be a little bit more thoughtful and methodical in the decisions that you make around it. Oh, can we do a six hour long podcast where we just talk about everything in life and people a would be like wow marathon? seriously 
that would pot, be just like excellent. a we could do like a day-long clubhouse of just Jordan <laughs> and Renee talk about some shit. Come on I over. I would live for that. Since Jordan was here recording with us, she has launched a brand new website, jordanmaney.com. Head on over there to find out everything Jordan's got going on, including her ally to advocate community of which I am a member. You can also find Jordan on Instagram at Jordan Maney. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-M-A-N-E-Y. Of course, everything is linked in the show notes. Thank you all for being here with us for this lovely episode with Jordan. And Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Anytime. Anytime. For those who are listening, you know that I value your time. And I know that your time is inherently valuable. So I thank you for spending it with us today. As per usual, I'm going to ask you to go over to the Apple podcast and leave us a review. Why? Because I like saying this every week. No, incorrect. Because Apple wants me to get the reviews. Because if we get reviews, the more people hear us, the more people hear us, the longer we can do it. You guys know the drill. If you listen every week, you already know. We're trying to get to 100 reviews. I don't know. Can we do it? Can this be the 2021 goal? This is my hope. So if you haven't yet left a review, once again, I'm going to say, please make my day. Go leave a review. And if not, or if you do, we'll still be back here next week. So we'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.